It's time for the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. The Mark. I almost said the Mark, man. I'm going to go to the Walmart. Uh, I like indefinite articles, okay? (laughs) Can we just start over? Absolutely. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. It's so good to have you with us. I'm joined by my always knowledgeable and spot on an analytical mind of Darren Shavers. How are you doing, Darren? Well, first of all, you know how it works. You just set me up. The first three things I say are going to be like in left field wrongs. <laughs> Which, I mean, let's be honest, that could have happened anyway, even if you hadn't have said that. But anyway, but doing good. How about you tonight? I thought we had a fact checker. I I thought we have a very limited budget, but we found a college student and we promised free Taco Bell (laughs) if he would do fact checking for us. But I guess I guess that didn't pan out. Free Taco Bell, free pizza. Right. It's it's amazing what that'll do (laughs) for a college student. (laughs) Now, if we can find someone to do their laundry, we might hire somebody. (laughs) We might have a lifelong employee at that point. (laughs) So thank you for being here. Today is a a very uh, solemn day. It's a day of remembrance here in our country because we remember September 11th, 2001, the attacks in New York City, the attack Mm -hmm. at the Pentagon, and a possible attack uh, that was going to be directed toward the U.S. Capitol or the White House that was um, stopped by courageous passengers. We stop and remember today those Mm -hmm. those attacks and and what a what a tremendously um, riveting day that was for Absolutely. all of us here in the United States. Absolutely, two thousand nine hundred eighty three people lost mm-hmm. their lives. Again, the World Trade Center planes flew into the both towers of the World Trade Center. Uh, another plane uh, crashed into the Pentagon, and another plane was down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania because of um, the passengers on board stopping whatever the intent of the hijackers was. So we want to stop and we want to, um, we want to remember because that's the right thing to do uh, to go back and and to not forget what Mm -hmm. happened on that day. And in the aftermath of that, Darren sports played a very important role in helping us uh, to process, to recover uh, to give us something to to find joy in again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the most iconic moments was when President George Bush threw out the first pitch at the Yankees game. You remember that, Darren? Oh, absolutely. Like it was yesterday, truthfully. That was that was truly an incredible moment. And, and you see a lot of first pitches, and they don't always end well, but mm-hmm. he, he threw a perfect strike. It was a yeah. great, great <laughs> exactly. pitch. And in that awesome. moment, in that moment, we all cheered. It didn't matter mm-hmm. what political party you affiliated no. with. In that moment, we were all Americans. We all came together. We all cheered. And and sports sports played a big role, I think, in helping us in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It did. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, even of course that moment was a very iconic moment. And actually we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in our, this week in sports history, but not only that moment, but it was at least a couple of weeks afterwards that there were no events whatsoever. You know, you, there were no large gatherings. There were no. So I, I remember being at the first, at a football game that first Saturday, uh, and even those moments were so unifying and so uh, cathartic and healing and and all, a little bit tense and scary, kind of all at the same time. Uh, but I remember, uh, obviously, I was I was at a Vanderbilt game, but uh, like I said, it was the first one after afterwards. So it was a couple of weeks afterwards, or, or whatever that time frame is. And everyone sang the anthem together. Everyone sang it, it was it was the entire stadium singing uh, America the Beautiful and things like that. So those were really, really unifying, incredible moments that sports uh, opened the pathway for in, in such a, 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 a difficult time in our nation's history. And today, again, we we pay homage. We remember the lives that were were lost uh, in that moment. Absolutely. But we also remember the great acts of courage and bravery. The first responders who ran into buildings that were collapsing, Absolutely. Uh, who willingly, uh, basically, laid down their lives to to help and save others. And we remember their courage, their bravery from the. New York Police Department to the New York Fire Department and for all of those who came from all over the country to help afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was it was a, a moment that was devastating, but at the same time in the aftermath as we came together, it proved to be very inspiring as well. Absolutely. Well, I hate to move on from that into yeah. the next headline we have because there's there's no there's no happy good feelings about this mm-hmm. one. And, th- and that is the situation at Michigan state with head coach Mel Tucker. We don't right. normally cover the, the big 10 on this podcast, but this has been such a, a, a major news story uh, that we're, we'll mention and we'll tell you a little bit about what's going on there in case you have not heard Mel Tucker, the head coach at Michigan state has been suspended without pay. Uh, there is ongoing investigation. There was a complaint made against him in December of 2022. An outside investigation was launched that concluded in July of this year. And now all these uh, facts and allegations, if you will, have come to the surface and that's all being processed and looked at. And I think there's a hearing coming up, but it appears that uh, Mel Tucker's time at Michigan state is at an end. Yes. And like you said, all the details and everything out there, but that's kind of the big thing. It it appears as the conclusion of everything has happened, that the ultimate conclusion is going to be that, that he will no longer be at Michigan State. In the meantime, uh, they've elevated from within, but also Mark D'Antonio, uh, a well-respected coach who had a successful run at Michigan State, mm-hmm. is coming back to help uh, the program through this turbulent time. And it's 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 so refreshing that schools have coaches like this. I think about the yeah. times where OU has turned to Bob Stoops in, in such mode. And when you have a, a coach like that who who leaves and is highly respected because of his integrity, and you can bring him back in moments like this. I know Mark D'Antonio is going to be um, 
somewhat of a balm, if you will, for that program during this time. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a, it's a good move by the administration to bring somebody just like, like you said, just like Oklahoma has done with Bob Seuss, bring, bring back somebody that has that, that credibility uh, within the, within and from outside of the program as well. We will be watching those events unfold and see where Michigan state goes from here. Mm-hmm. Some other uh News that was shocking, but yet we have good news to report about it is the situation with Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator at Kentucky, a medical emergency uh, this past Saturday uh, is hospitalized. But Darren, according to uh, what you have um, heard, he he is is doing much better. Yeah, there was even some conversation that he could be released uh, as early as Monday from the hospital. At the time that we're recording, we we don't have that information. He has not, to our knowledge, been released. But even if he's not, even if it ends up being a you know a day or a couple of days, whatever, that's still incredibly good news. Yeah, especially, you know, within our conference, what what our last year has been like when you hear that a coach has had a a, a medical emergency. You know, with with Mike Leach, that immediately it, it brings up those scary feelings, and you and you dread the worst because because of how that situation turned out. But thankfully. With this one, it seems that he is uh, improved in good in good condition, and and at some point we'll be going home, hopefully soon. That is wonderful news. We yep. we wish him all the best in his recovery. Our prayers are with him and his family. Absolutely. So on that high note, Darren, let's talk about some week two takeaways. We just concluded <laughs> the second week of this college football season, and there's a lot to talk about. So as you look back over the games this past weekend, Darren, what's your number one takeaway? I think my number one takeaway has to be our old buddy Jimbo. And, you know, when I was putting these numbers together, I almost felt like I was kind of picking on him, and that's not my intent. But reality of the numbers is reality of the numbers. Obviously, this past weekend, for many, many, many AM, A&M faithful, well, all A&M faithful, it did not go as intended. For those of us that were talking about, there may be some things that look different this year because of Bobby Petrino and we had high expectations. Yeah, this weekend, again, didn't go the way we expected. And it kind of exposes a little bit of a reality of the Jimbo Fisher era. In the first 62 games... Jimbo is uh, the A&M led Jim or Jimbo Fisher led A&M is 40 and 22 during that same amount of games. The first 62 games of the Kevin Sumlin era, he was 43 and 19. So at this point in his time at, at, at A&M, Kevin Sumlin had three more wins just in case that wasn't enough to say maybe it's not going the way we everybody thought it would, especially Jimbo. He is in his last eight games against Power 5 teams. He is 1-7 and seven and has lost his last seven, or last seven road games straight. So all seven road games, the last seven he's played, he has lost. So there is nothing about those numbers that says things are going the way that everybody thought they would uh, in in Aggieland. It is not a, a positive situation at this point. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's time to just come running in and burn it down yet. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, when you're looking at the way Kevin Sumlin was was ultimately run out of town, and Jimbo's sitting in this in worse place, that, that's not a positive. Those are some sobering uh, facts, Darren. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, it, did 
a representative from Bobby Petrino give you that information? <laughs> it was it was the uh, the people that are now putting up the firejimbo.com beer billboards. It was one of those guys. <laughs> Oh, you know, those are already going up somewhere, right? I mean, it has to be. <laughs> it's a it's a tough sport to yeah. be in when you do not yeah. win, when you don't meet That's exactly expectations. Right. That's exactly right. How about you? What's your first takeaway, Ben? My first takeaway goes to the Ole Miss-Tulane game, which was a terrific game. I love the Absolutely. fact that they were playing. I, I It was just a, a great game to watch. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. my takeaway from that is that Ole Miss has a kicker. Caden Davis, not only did he go four for four in extra points, he went for three for three on field goal attempts, including a 56-yarder toward the end of the game. Mm -hmm. An incredible kick in an outdoor stadium. So I, I left that game thinking, wow, Caden Davis, you showed out today. And we don't often talk about kickers no. except when they miss a kick. Exactly. But I wanted to mention the incredible performance from Caden Davis, old Miss. Hey, props to him. Like you said, that's just something we don't do very often. It's usually because the kickers missed three field goals, not because they made three. So that's awesome. Good for him. Great takeaway. My second takeaway from the past weekend goes to, uh, we're going back to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where Alabama has some concerns on offense. You could argue their quarterback concerns. You could argue their offensive line concerns, or mm -hmm. they're a combination of both. Jalen Milrow, Statistically, 14 for 27, 255 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But he had happy feet a lot. It reminded yeah. me a little bit of what Jaden Daniels from LSU tends to do. Yeah. Uh, they, he, he didn't seem to make his reads go through his progressions before he started taking off and relying on his feet. And when you mm -hmm. are as athletic as Milrow is, there's a tendency to rely on your athleticism. And, mm -hmm. and when he gets in the open field, he's hard to catch, no doubt yeah. about it. But I think there are some concerns there. I also think there are concerns from the fact that the offensive line at Alabama is not where we would expect it to be at this point in the season. Now, there's mm -hmm. a lot of football left to play, but I, I think Alabama has some some big concerns on the offensive side of the ball. What about you? Well, first of all, I mean, this is, I mean, if you think about it, this is our third or fourth year, at least our third year that we're talking about offensive line struggles at Alabama. I mean, so that's, that's tough and not what you expect. It's not what you expect from Alabama. That's a, that's a great take. I, I'm going to just ask the entire SEC, uh, specifically the quarterbacks of the SEC, could we please figure out a way to protect the football? <laughs> you, you mentioned Jalen Milrow, two interceptions, one in the first quarter, one in the fourth quarter, both of them at very pivotal times that, that led to points uh, that, that even though they weren't necessarily the moment where you can say, Oh, that's where the game the was lost. They weren't necessarily game killers, but they were at pivotal times and, 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 and had an, an effect on the game. Connor Wegman at A&M, had two interceptions, both of them in the second half. Uh, again, neither one of them were, were the game killers, but they sure didn't help. Uh, you know, both of them killed drives that, that had potential. Uh, so he had those two. And then also, and those were the, incidentally, the first two interceptions of his career, by the way. But then A.J. Swan at Vanderbilt. I mean, he comes out of the gate and basically Wake Forest kicks the ball to Vanderbilt, and A.J. Swan says, oh, you guys look like you missed it. Here, did you want it back? I think it took him two – it may have taken one throw, but at least two throws to turn around and give the ball straight back to Wake Forest. And did the same thing again in the second quarter. Uh, it, it, 
you have to, I know the guys we're talking about are young, but you've got to protect the ball. If you are in the offense or you're running back or a quarterback, and even if you're young, you've got to protect the ball. I mean, that's that's priority number one, because if you give the ball up, you can't do, get anything done. You're not going anywhere, and you're definitely not scoring points. Please, SEC quarterbacks especially, protect the football. There, I, I feel better. <laughs> What, what an emotional plea, Darren. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. Do I need to leave my pew and go forward? And, and I feel like I need to repent of something right now. That was that was mesmerizing. I can tell you, Jalen Milrow, Connor Wegman, and AJ Swan need to repent. I can tell you that. But let's let's move on. Well, I was about to cue the twentieth verse of "Just as I am," and there are twenty. So, yeah. at least, at, at least. least. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. Was that your second or third? I, I'm just that, so. I'm, that was I'm, my second. Okay. <laughs> well, well, let's just stick with you because you're on a roll right now, Darren. What was your third? All right. My third one is, again, talking about the entire SEC and how we are living in the upside down. You know, last week, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we referenced Stranger Things and one of the, the music that was playing under this week in sports history or whatever. And I think we're living in Stranger Things upside down world right now. If you look at the top three passers in the SEC statistically right now and the top three rushers in the SEC statistically, here are the teams. Doesn't even matter about the players. Here are the teams. The top three passers are Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and LSU. The top three rushers are Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Missouri. Now, historically and or even just this year's expectations – when you think about passers, were you at any point thinking, oh, well, that'll obviously be Vanderbilt is one of the leading passers. That'll, that'll obviously be – now, South Carolina is not overly surprising because of the way the season ended, but still, you think about – when you think about who's going to be at the top of the SEC, you think about Tennessee, you think about Ole Miss, you, you think about historically Florida, even if that's not necessarily the expectation this year, you think about Mississippi State and everything they've done. But none of those guys are there. Typically, they're actually close to the bottom of the conference right now, or at least in that middle, you know, the guys that have been in one or two had a couple of throws are at the bottom. Then when you look at rushing teams, you think about Alabama. You think about, again, Ole Miss. You definitely don't think about Mississippi State, Tennessee, or Missouri, or at least I don't. So to me, that very much feels like, we're living at least three weeks in. We're, we're or week zero and two weeks in. We're we're living in the upside down, and and I don't know. I don't even know what that means. It just makes me feel a little afraid, I guess, <laughs> of what the season's going to look like if we keep going this route. The only upside down I'm comfortable with is upside down cake. So oh, I'm all in great, on that. Absolutely. Great, great, great <laughs> analogy there, Darren. Well, well played. I noticed before we, we started recording, you're drinking a diet, Dr. Pepper. That must oh, have yes. something, something to do with this because you've, you've gone to preaching repentance to now bringing in <laughs> cultural references. We're, we're in the upside down, Darren. We're in the upside down right now in this podcast. <laughs> That's exactly right. I wish we had like stars playing in the background or something. <laughs> What's your third takeaway? Well, there's nothing upside down about this. Texas has found its quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers, 24 out of 38, 349 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Wow. He played poised. Bryant Denny Stadium was rocking. It was mm-hmm. loud in there. And I was so impressed with with Ewers. His he didn't get flustered. At least he didn't show that he got flustered. Mm-hmm. He he made good reads, good passes. Uh, used his, his his legs when he needed to. He he was a leader for that team in those crucial moments uh, when Alabama was was you know came back got the lead when they were threatening when when the crowd just was was amped up. And I was uh, so impressed with his steady calm and his performance. I think Texas has has found their quarterback for as long as Quinn Ewers stays at Texas. That's a great take, Ben. I, I agree completely with that. And, and, you know, we've talked leading up to the game that we wondered what last year's game would have looked like if he would have stayed healthy. And to your point, he stayed healthy this year. And we, we've got our answer not only for this game, but for the foreseeable future, because you, you're, you're spot on with that. It's a great take. Well, before we move on to look at our, our sports pick standings and make our picks for this week, on this very uh, important day in American history, we pause for a very special This Week in Sports History. October 30th, 2001, just 49 days after the tragic 9-11 attacks, President George W. Bush took the mound at Yankee Stadium. This was not just any baseball game. It was Game 3 of the World Series. The nation was still reeling from the attacks, and New Yorkers were in shock. President Bush had been encouraged to throw the first pitch at Game 1 of the World Series in Arizona for security purposes, but he declined, instead waiting for Game 3 in the Bronx. Dressed in an FDNY sweater covering a bulletproof vest, a somber Bush walked out from the Yankees' dugout and waved to the crowd as he took the man. The electric crowd cheered as the president threw a strike right over home plate. This moment is still considered one of the brightest moments in one of the nation's darkest times. It was more than just a ceremonial pitch, it was a symbol of resilience and unity. It showed that despite the tragedy, America could come together and stand strong. This iconic pitch by President Bush remains one of the most unifying moments in sports history. Oh, thank you. Well, let's look at an update on our sports pick'em contest going on. Darren, what are the standings? Uh, how did everybody do this past week? Can you go ahead and share with all of us uh, the progress and who is in first place? Oh, looky there. I'm not so, surprised. Look, who is in first place? Well, well, my goodness. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. But uh, we, we basically have a three-way tie. Actually, I can't say I'm in first place. We have a three-way tie for first place with myself, Paul, and Zach. And then you are there standing all by yourself 
at least halfway up the mountain, maybe not atop the mountain, but at least halfway up the mountain in second place. You have sole claim to second place. So that's our that's our top four positions this week. Myself, Paul, Zach, and then you, sir, Ben. I'm keeping pace with the pack, the front runners, before that's I right. make, make my move on that last turn. So enjoy your, turn en, en, four. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your time right now. <laughs> Coming out of turn four, here comes Ben. <laughs> well, let's make some picks for this week, Darren, and see if I can topple you off of your throne, uh, much the way that um, Wake oh. Forest humbled Vanderbilt this past week. That is hurtful <laughs> and accurate. <laughs> I can't even be upset about it, honestly. <laughs> Can't believe you're picking at me like that. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, just, 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 just our records. I'm just reporting the facts. I just, just reporting the facts. That's. I all. think I think <laughs> everyone's had enough time to see these records, so we we can we can move <laughs> on. Moving on. <laughs> so let's go to our first game. LSU travels to Starkville to play Mississippi State. Mississippi State team that came up big against uh, Arizona in an overtime game. Uh, so what, what do you think of this game, Darren, when you, when you look at both of these teams? If I'm LSU, the thing that concerns me is the fact that Mississippi State has shown a running game. I, I know it's not a, been against top-tier talent, but they've still showed a running game. And if you look at Will Rogers' stats, I mean, I think he only had like, only had like 18 or 20 uh, passing attempts this most recent game. So comparative to what we're used to seeing with Will Rogers – that seems a little off, so it makes you kind of wonder, are they holding back? Are there some things they're not showing until they get to this game, unless they had to? Uh, so if I'm LSU, that concerns me a little bit. I'm just not going to put a whole lot of stock in the LSU grambling thing. Yes, they scored 73 points, but it was also grambling. I think putting stock in those games is part of what got us to what this week looked like uh, with some of the losses that came up. That being said, I do believe there's some credibility in the fact that Jaden Daniels was able to get his feet back under him, gain some confidence, and come out looking like what we expected him to at the start of the season against Mississippi State. And because of that, I think this is an LSU win. What about you, Ben? I agree with you. We, we learned nothing about LSU against Grambling State. Right. This is the game where we see, has LSU learned anything from the the mm -hmm. the, the – walloping they took from florida mm -hmm. state mm -hmm. mississippi state will be a, a tough opponent they'll be ready for lsu lsu on the roster of course has more talent from top to bottom but that doesn't always translate into a victory with Pretty that true. said though i'm, I'm going to go with the tigers if they play up to their capability they should come out of this game with a win but if they go in and, and they take Mississippi State for granted. They will leave Starkville with a loss. And I am absolutely terrified, Darren. I believe this is an 11 a.m. start. Yeah. Which is always a major ordeal for LSU for some reason. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And I think the other thing we have to really, uh, just very quickly, I, I don't care who you are, it is difficult to head to Starkville to play. For whatever reason, that always presents even more of a challenge and it's not necessarily because it's like a Death Valley type experience. You know, if you go to LSU, for whatever reason, it really presents a challenge to the visiting, to the visiting team when they come in. More cowbell. 
there you go. Oh, I might have to mute the game and watch it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> Next game up is Kansas State uh, traveling to Missouri. A uh, matchup of Big 12 and SEC schools or used to be two, two uh, Big 12 schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you look at this game, Darren, Kansas State's rolling right now. Missouri, um, I think they're they're 2-0 and as well, but not quite the notor- notoriety that Kansas State mm-hmm. is receiving right now. What, what do you think about this game? I think Missouri State's worst case scenario is to to uh, have a defense come into the ta- come into town, no matter who they've played against, that presents itself as stingy, and that's exactly what Kansas State defense does. I don't think that bodes well for the Missouri offense. Well, you listen to Miami fans talk, and they are not, uh, you know, Coach Drink and his "May the Force Be With You" is not cute to them anymore. <laughs> they may be two and zero, but it's not the two and zero they expected. And I'm very afraid that this game is going to start an ugly, ugly uh, time for, for Eli Drinkwitz in, in Missouri. I think Kansas State wins this game. I'm going to go with Missouri in this game because I want to be able to say the name Drinkwitz several times <laughs> next week in our podcast in a yes. favorable light. <laughs> I like and, it. And, of course, to throw in a Star Wars reference, you, how can you resist that? It's a beautiful thing. You can't resist the force. No. well done (laughs) South Carolina and Shane Beamer is traveling down to Athens to face the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs who are also Mm -hmm. undefeated but not tested up to this point yet is this going to be a test for Georgia or is this going to be another Georgia route what do you think Darren I think unless South Carolina finds some kind of way to return three kickoffs, maybe four punts, and block every punt or field goal Georgia attempts, that there's just not a scenario that South Carolina wins this game. Yes, Georgia has not looked impressive. You do not look at what they've done so far and think, oh, well, that's no-brainer, a 12-0 team. That being said, I don't know uh, that South Carolina – can score against them. So Georgia's got the horses on offense that even if their scheme is not going the way you would think it would, they can still outscore this outscore this team. So this is a Georgia win. Mm. Yeah, Georgia. Tennessee traveling to Florida in a, in a very we used to be a huge rivalry. Absolutely. I guess we could I guess we could still say it is, although teams are trending in different directions. Tennessee uh, despite some questions, it seems to be rolling again. Florida mm-hmm. seems to be struggling in the um, the process that Billy Napier is is taking the team through to rebuilding them to a championship level team. This could be a trap game for Tennessee. Yeah, uh, but Darren, I'm going to go with the Volunteers. I think they're going to go down. I think Joe Milton is going to correct some some issues he had in the previous game. I think Tennessee. I think I think Josh Heupel is going to come up with a game plan that's going to get them out of that game with a victory. What about you? I'm a fan of Josh Heupel. That being said, but <laughs> I, yes, exactly. Big but, big but. Uh, I, I've had concerns all offseason about Joe Milton. We've talked about it several times, and he showed that tendency to get nervous and overthrow to turn everything into a rocket and and everything into an overthrown rocket, especially during the first quarter and this past week. And that was against Austin P. So when Joe Milton heads into Gainesville, 
because is it statistically the rival it rivalry it used to be? No. This Saturday, when the game starts, will it seem like that big of a rivalry in Gainesville? I think so. So I think it's going to be a very intimidating atmosphere. And I think it gets the best of Joe Milton. I think he starts off looking that same way uh, that he did against Austin P. It could be even worse for a longer amount of time, depending on what Florida is able to do with it. And it's it's there in Gainesville. That's been tough for Tennessee for two decades. I, I think Florida pulls off the upset. I, I'm calling Florida in this one. You started this analysis with a, a but and got me thinking, <laughs> you know, but is a big conjunction. It changes That's the right. whole course of a statement. You That's were exactly leading right. us. I like Josh Heupel, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> what did you say? I like indefinite articles. Yeah. I like big conjunctions. You like con- <laughs> You watched Schoolhouse Rock, didn't you? Conjunction, That's exactly junction. right. What's, What's your, your function? function? <laughs> Have you had some painful butts in your life, Darren? <laughs> Were, were you in grade school when the girl said, I like you, Darren, but, but. <laughs> or the teacher said, Darren, you're showing a lot of potential, but <laughs> hey, hey, Darren, everybody in the class got a good grade, but <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> that may have happened a couple of times. <laughs> we, we might need to do an, an episode on the parts of speech in the English language. This is this is way too entertaining. I think we're pretty close to having one put together. But we need to get back to the pick. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We've got Vanderbilt against a powerhouse UNLV led by Jerry Tarkanian. They're going (laughs) to. Well, the running rebels. (laughs) The running rebels do not exist any longer. Jerry Tarkanian. And that was basketball anyway. I don't know if UNLV has ever done anything in football. But the Commodores are traveling to Vegas Maybe they'll have some some good recreational time. I, I can't see this being much of a game. I, I've got Vanderbilt winning this. It, it scares me, especially when you look at the Vegas odds and Vanderbilt on the road against a team like UNLV is only a two-point favorite. That tells me that Vegas doesn't trust A.J. Swan. And, and it, it scares me, but I think Vanderbilt – I'm hoping this is the road test that kind of corrects some things and gets gets things a little bit on, on path. And I'm going to believe that. So I'm going Vanderbilt in this one as well. Nice. And not a single butt. That's right. No butts in that one. Georgia Tech, Rambling Rick, travels to Oxford to face the Ole Miss Rebels. Darren, who you got? I, I have to go Ole Miss. I can't. I just don't see anything but Ole Miss in, in this one. I, I think it's going to be pretty convincing. Not just Ole Miss, but whew, Ole Miss. I think that's the way this one's going to go. How about you, Ben? I've got Ole Miss, and I think as the season goes on, we are going to appreciate more and more Lane Kiffin's hiring of Pete Golding on on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I think we're, this team is going to continue to get better and better and better. Yep, I agree completely. BYU is traveling to Fayetteville to face the Hogs yep. of Arkansas, led by KJ Jefferson. Darren, I look at this game and I think we're all going to be calling the Hogs. I've got Arkansas winning this. I, I agree completely. I think it has a little bit of a different look if they're by chance, uh, you know, going to Utah. But in Fayetteville, this is an Arkansas win. Yeah. Agreed. 
Agreed. So thank you for watching an, another episode. We want to remind you that you can still participate in the CBS Sports Pick'em that we do every week. Go to CBS Sports College Football Pick'em. There's the password. Pick'em one, two, three, four, exclamation point. No conjunctions are in the password at all. No ifs, ands, or buts, just letters and numbers. But next week, the password may be if, and, but, one, two, three, four. Who knows? <laughs> and we may just sign off on this episode singing that, school, that song from Schoolhouse Rock, which exactly. first taught us what a conjunction is in the first place. That's exactly right. Thank you for joining us for another episode. But... There's still more. Wait, there's more. We Wait, have there's more. Down territory. You're in four down territory. All right, let's make some picks in our annual four down territory we're going to start with our sure thing pick guaranteed your money back guarantee guarantee this team is going to win darren who is your sure thing for week three i think kansas state is going to show just how stingy their defense is that's my sure thing pick how about you ben i've got arkansas over byu they're going to call the hogs in fayetteville i think kj jefferson has a big game i i like it for our old buddy sam Pittman. Let's talk upset pick of the week. Darren, who is yours? If you call Florida over Tennessee, you got to just – how's anything else other than that going to be the upset pick? So that's me, Florida over Tennessee. How about you? From somebody from the great state of Tennessee, Darren, you sure know how to alienate a lot of people there. <laughs> but think about this. If I'm wrong, man, are they going to enjoy telling me about it. So that's the upside. <laughs> I've got Eli Drinkwich learning the ways of the force and somehow leading Missouri to an upset over the Kansas State Wildcats. Nice. So we've got sure thing versus upset. That'll be interesting. The rebellion will take down the empire. <laughs> well done. By the way. That's another great reference right there. <laughs> How about your brown bag pick? Who is wearing a brown bag this week based upon week two, Darren? The entire conference, get it together. <laughs> there are games that SEC teams played against non-conference teams that should have never been close, that were close, and there were games that should not have been losses that ended up being losses. The entire SEC needs to get it together. Until the end, it's a brown bag for the entire conference, every single team. How about you? What's yours? It's like we're living in the upside down. <laughs> exactly. People in the upside down have to wear brown bags in this upside down. So, <laughs> My brown bag is the Texas A&M secondary. The defense played well against the run, holding Miami to less than 100 yards rushing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the quarterback for Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, went off. 374 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He passed all over that secondary. DJ Durkin has a lot of work to do to yeah, get absolutely. that defense ready to, to be able to handle passing attacks like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so there you go. Texas A&M secondary, you are wearing the brown bag this week. Great brown bag pick. How about the post-game quote of the week? We always have a lot to choose from because if the SEC is nothing else, it is entertaining. 
And, you know, typically we have something funny. We talked about that a little bit last week. We talked about what um, Lane Kiffin had to say last week at the end of his game. But, you know, sometimes a coach just kind of puts it on the line and lays it out there. And even if it's not the, uh, something funny that makes you kind of laugh, it, it's still very entertaining just because of how straightforward it is. And if you're looking for straightforward, who's the pick going to nine times out of ten B, Ben? Who do you think that is? Coach Saban. Well done. <laughs> That's exactly right. So let's listen to what Coach Saban had to say in this week's uh, postgame quote of the week. So um, if we can learn from some of the mistakes that we made, um, coaches and players alike, we can all get better and have a lot better opportunity, I think, to be successful in the future. So, But everybody's got basically two choices. You know, you can throw in the towel and quit and be mediocre, or you can fight and grind and do the hard things that you need to do to be successful. And I think you don't want to waste a failing, and we certainly don't want to waste this failing. Um, so we're all going to be committed to trying to do things better, practice better, prepare better, have a better plan, you know, for the players, whatever it is, all of us, coaches and players alike. Wow, it's pretty straightforward, like we said. <laughs> I heard I heard that word, but everybody's got two choices. That's right. That's exactly right. Do you think he called out the coaches and not just the players? Because that's a little bit what it felt like to me. I don't think that was just a message to the players. <laughs> I love his phrasing, never waste a, a failure or failing. Mm, never absolutely. waste that. Uh, and so I have no doubt that they it's going to be a, a, a rough week of practice at yep. Alabama as they get ready uh, for this upcoming weekend. Absolutely. So I think this is the end of the show, Darren, unless you've got another butt somewhere. I, I do not. I think we are. It's time to uh, butt out of the butt business. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> so remember to join us on Pick'em, make your picks. Subscribe to us if you like what you hear, what you see. If you want to be a part of the ongoing show and, and receive updates, be sure to, to subscribe to us. Like and comment. Uh, if you if you like what you heard, if you have a comment, if you're like, well, Ben and Darren, they they blew it again. They they missed this or they that fact was wrong. Let us know. We'll be happy to correct that because absolutely, we're we're from Louisiana. We don't take ourselves that seriously. Exactly. <laughs> New episodes drop every Tuesday at six a.m. So remember to uh, to uh, watch, listen at your convenience on whatever podcast platform you like to. And before we sign off, Darren, I want to say a very special happy birthday to our longtime listener, Nicole, one of our West Virginia fans. Happy nice. birthday, Nicole. So we'll see happy y'all birthday. next. We'll see y'all next Tuesday until then. Take care. Have a great week. Thank you for making the brew and shaver sports podcast. Your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is so important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. See you next week.